Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. For a few minutes, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's just charge ourselves up in the Holy Spirit. Lebran rete zo shapata kete brozita kendrete zekia take zo ziandre take zo spete kakia eki kato prandre days espoto zizi kaza gazike zakia endre de kita kabrandroske o shandre te kata kendre indra te zus kete kuz endra te kete o shandre te kata is kete droska indre te de zizi andre te kete Jude says that building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Rate igrate brandre zizus e brandre te kasi andrete zike te kesus pratrandre deketilia enroja takiliade. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song. Lord, these things don't satisfy. Lord, these things don't satisfy. For the knowledge of you are in thee. For the knowledge of you are he breathe. Lord, these things don't satisfy. Lord, these things don't satisfy. Lord, these things don't satisfy. Oh, Lord, these things don't satisfy. For the knowledge of you I live. For the knowledge of you I breathe. Lord, these things don't satisfy. Father, we thank you. We thank you because we know that tonight you will speak to us. We thank you for eloquence. We thank you for utterance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have a seat. Well, welcome to this evening service. So yes, we continue on the series Spiritual Growth spiritual growth and why it is very important for us as christians so um change is something that is constant but growth is something that is deliberate so if you want growth to happen you have to make it happen so if you wait for change to happen the change might be a good change or a bad change but that good change is the growth you deliberately want to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, we'll be talking about the stages of spiritual growth. Um, Pastor and um, Pastor Tolu and Pastor Chidera have, you know, given us um, a little bit of what that is. We've talked about the different stages of spiritual growth, starting from babyhood to childhood to adulthood so we know that when babies are born <laughs> like pity said you don't place them on the road Abby. what we do is we put them in a safe place 
we put them where they can actually grow, where they are well taken care of. So the same thing for spiritual children. When they are born, we place them in a local church where they can actually grow. Because we all know and we can all agree that growth is a gradual process, right? And for us to actually grow, I think one of the most important things for growth is you have to be able to discern where, what stage you are. Hallelujah. So for you to know you're growing or for you to grow, you have to know the stage you are. So you can know what to do to actually improve and get better. So I will do a brief, brief summary of what has been said about babyhood, childhood, and adulthood. So First Peter 2 verse 2. Uh, I don't, for some reason, we're told that we'll not be able to have the scripture on the screen today. So um, let's bring out our Bibles and open to First Peter 2 verse 2. So it says, are we there, please? First Peter 2 verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So it means that, so Paul is saying that you need to grow in Salvation. So it means that when you were given salvation, like when you give your life to God and you receive salvation, it's, it's not just, when you do anything about it, it becomes dormant. You need to continue in it for you to what? To grow thereby. And how do you grow? By the what? By the word. So, growth starts from babyhood. We all know that everyone in this room was given birth to as a baby. Hopefully. <laughs> <said hopefully. laughs> if, if you fell from heaven, please raise up your hand. Like, like the day they gave birth to you, you just grew. You were just 10 years old or 15 or 20. I think um, all these Hollywood movies has done a lot of things to us. I was watching a movie lately. Every, every, I think every, I can't remember. I think every few hours, the kid, the kid grows by 15 years. Something just happened. The kid will just grow 15 years. The next thing, there will be a big light will shine again. 30 years. Again, 45. Before you know, it just, at the end of the day, it just disappeared. Even Jesus Christ himself didn't come like that. <laughs> he came as a baby. So no one goes from being born again to immediately turning into a matured Christian. No. It doesn't happen like that. You have to grow. Even Jesus Christ started his ministry at 30. So what was happening in 30 years? Growth. God was happening. So, another thing that's important is, while it is possible for people to stay in the stage of babyhood, growth is important for us, especially as a church. Now, what are the things, why we are talking about these stages is for us to know where we are as Christians. A lot of us might think because we have been in church for a very long time, we have left the babyhood stage. Actually, that's not true. A lot of people are baby Christians and they've been in church for a long time and they don't even know it. So here are certain things you need to know about baby Christians. Um, baby Christians, if you look at babies generally, 
they act like they know it all. They feel like they don't need help. For example, when a baby is able to lift the spoon, a baby wants to feed itself. Hello? Just move yourself, leave me on my plate, and let me eat the food. Now, if by adventure something that happens to the food, or the plate falls on the ground and it spills off, then the baby will stay and start looking at you. The baby won't ask you, it will, the baby might not tell you anything. The baby will just be looking at you like, well, you should be able to do something. And when you don't do something, what do they do? They start crying. So, babies, when they, when they face trials or something happens to them, their first reaction is to cry. So, that is how you know that you're a baby Christian. When trials come, and the first thing you do is just burst into tears. Like, that is your default setting. Then uh, you, you know that uh, something needs to be done. Glory to Jesus. So, a baby Christian cannot effectively divide the word of truth. Like, effectively. It is why you're placed in the local church to grow. You are still in that stage of growth. Alright? So, the problem is, when baby tries to act like adults, they hurt themselves. So, um, I was watching, um, you know, um, this uh, trend on Twitter where they say um, fathers and their babies are together. So, this kid watches wrestling and see how they jump from the rope, the top rope on somebody. And the baby, you know, goes to climb the shelf. And yes, I saw something that they did. Let me jump from the shelf. But thank God the dad was there anyways. So the babe saw adults jumping. So he felt like, well, they are humans. I can jump too. So the same thing as baby Christians. They act like they are adults. And they try to make adult decisions. But what happens is that when they do this, they make terrible decisions. And some of these decisions hurts them. Which is why Peter will say stuff like, if you're not a mature Christian, be careful of what you read. It's to help you. It's to save you. Because you don't have those filters yet. I, I think we were reading a book. There was a book Peter said we should read. And this, this, this man is a, he has grown in Christianity. It's very elderly. It was almost the same age as uh, uh, Papa Egan. And he told Pastor Egan that, see, I wish that some books that I read, I did not read them. Because even now that I am grown, I'm still struggling with those things that I read because they've, they've become a stronghold, so it's difficult to... So when they tell you, there are some books, don't read it. It's not all sermons you will hear. There is a reason for these things. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you should stick to the books, the sermons that are recommended by your pastors. Let me, let me, let me cast myself small. So, what I do sometimes is I will sometimes, when I enter pastor's office, I'm using one eye to look at the names of the authors and the books that are in his office so I can, so, so I can decide to read those kind of books. So I know the kind of books he's reading so I can read them too. So these things are, these things are very good and important. So how do you know that you're still a baby Christian? Like what, are the, what are the peculiarities? What are the features that when you see, you know that I think I'm still a baby Christian and I need to do better? One is, you get easily hurt. See, there was a trend on Twitter when people said stuff like, oh, if you have been hurt by church before, come and do the trend. And when I read a lot of the trend, a lot of the posts that people made, I realized that everybody was saying the church, the church, the church, the church. Nobody said anything about themselves. 
Yeah, nobody said anything about it. They said, see, fine, church might hurt you, but have you sat down to really think about what you, the part you played? Yeah. See, I, I changed church. Nobody died. In fact, when I changed church, I realized that church did not hurt me. Even when church did things that was bad to me, that I felt bad about, I realized that I had a part to play in it. If I hadn't done some certain things, if I had done it differently, that thing wouldn't have happened. Fine, they undid it wrongly, but I did something that made them do what they did. So these things are, it's important. So if you see that you, you hurt easily, something is wrong. Now, if you're easily distracted, kids have a very low attention span. Very, very low attention span. One minute, they are, have you ever tried teaching a kid how to write before? Oh, God. It's, uh, <laughs> I've, I've worked in a school before. So the first class I taught was basic two. I told the woman the next day, that, hello, if you can't take me to the highest class in this school, I will stop the job. Because I can't cope. If um, aunt is moving, they will tap you and say, Uncle C. Every little thing, they get easily distracted. So the same thing as baby Christians. That when they tell you, stay in your local church, stay where they put you. There's a reason for it. You're jumping from one prayer meeting to the other. You get easily, you see a flyer, prayer meeting. This and, you just jump at it. It's the sign that you're a baby. Easily frustrated. You've just spent how many hours doing something? I, I give up. I, I can't do this again. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you saying something. There is a popular babyhood statement we all make. And that statement is, adulthood is a scam. It's a sign that we are still babies. You can't be an adult and still want to be a baby. It's not possible. You want growth, but you still want to stay a baby. You want to become a, you want to become an adult. You want to enjoy those. You know, you know. I remember a friend said uh, they told us a lie. When you get an adult, you get two meats. You know, those days, you know, daddy, you give them two meats. You know, the adults enjoy a lot of privileges. So we want to become adult. And when we got to adulthood and we saw the responsibility, we were like, I oh, know, uh, hello there, and oh, oh, so the two meat yet? He was one that paid for it. Oh well, can we go back to the one? If I half meat, I don't mind. Why? Because they don't want to deal with responsibilities. Every kid, they get easily frustrated. Any small thing, we've got, fine, I understand that Lagos is stressful, no doubt. But a lot of people don't want to like put in the work and they want everything to just get better. So they are averse to correction. If you notice that when they correct you, 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 know, you begin to raise your shoulder and you feel like you are above everything and all, something is wrong. You're puffed up and you feel very slighted when you're criticized. Because there was a kid in front of me one day and someone was actually telling him what he was doing wrong. And he just changed it for the person. And he was just shouting, eh, did you see that I was trying to... In my mind, I was like, this guy was just even giving a constructive criticism. It wasn't really a big deal. And I called the guy like, sorry, because I, I didn't even know him. I was like, sorry, calm down. The guy was even saying, I mean, I'm still talking English. Because I said constructive criticism. Probably he has never heard the word before. And I was like, the truth is, this person was just trying to help you. Like, nothing really. Just for you to get better. That's what criticism is. Praise the name of the Lord. So when 
you feel self-important and full of yourself when you are praised. When they praise you, your head begins to swell and you begin to misbehave. Ah, you need to be careful. All right? So even as a baby Christian, there is one particular trait in babyhood that God would like us to have that we retain even as we grow, and that is our innocence. So in the innocence comes with you being teachable, being open-minded, full of faith, and always willing to learn is actually important. The reason this is is because when we go to God, we go to God as children. Now, when we leave God and go into the world, we go into the world as someone who their senses has been fine-tuned, a grown-up, matured Christian. So, when you go to God, you go as a child. In meekness, in humility, you're ready to listen, you're ready to learn. Then when you leave his presence, you go into the world as someone who understands what God, the assignment God has given him to do. You can't, I, I, don't, I don't think you can go to God and act like you know it all. I don't think God will speak to you. Oh, you know it already. Oh, fine. Move on. Continue. Grace, grace to you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, childhood. Childhood. Let's see Ephesians 4, 14. Efficient for efficient for verse 14. It says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Now, children are undependable. You can't depend on children to really do anything. You can, you can, give a child, you can tell a child to wash plates, and it can be on that plate for hours. Why? Probably because you left him. You trusted him to wash the plate, right? So you left him, you went to do other things. You just realize that you get to where the plates are, he has not finished washing the plate, and you can't even find him there. Then you begin to wonder, like, ah, what is happening? Then probably if you know his routine, you go and look for him where he normally hangs out. Then you find him probably playing football somewhere or probably just looking at, so he's just somewhere where something has caught his attention and he's there just looking. Most of the time, it's slap that will end up the, oh, the boy will collect slap and, you know, and everything, his senses returns. Then he remembers that he's supposed to wash me. Or you send a child to go get something. Oh, God. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of this. In fact, the funny thing is, the kid will forget that they sent him on an errand. That's if he doesn't even lose the money. I think that happens most times. So they will not be able to go home. They will not be stuck there because I know if I go home without the money, and when they sent me to go and get, I'm in trouble. So he would just stay there and be crying. Probably, <laughs> probably God will, will deliver him and save him. And somebody would just, you know, pity him and say, yeah, but like, ah, so how much did you lose? Probably they will not help him. But that, that rarely happens. Because you will go home and go and face the music. Very important. So children are very unreliable. They are impressionable and they can easily be influenced. We've seen scenarios where kids are sent on an errand and they just see someone gambling on the street 
and they tell them that, oh, if you drop 500, you get 1,000. All you need to do is just pick. You know, they put three stuff, and they say, yeah, pick the right one. And the kid looks like, okay, 500, 1,000. If I use mommy's money and I get 1,000, I keep 500, I buy something with 500, everybody wins. So he decides to gamble. I know Lambiud. There's no 500. There's no 1,000. What mommy sent me to buy, I could not get it. Another problem. So, another thing is, children don't understand. This one is even very important. Children don't understand the concept of quietness or stillness. Kids are very restless. Go and sleep in the afternoon. Problem have happened. Like, that is a major problem. A very, very serious problem. They, they always want to talk. Everything that happened during the day, they want to download it to you. You must know by force. It's worse when they have a question. Every question, every, the funny thing is, every answer you give bets a new question. Oh, I saw something today. Oh, it's a bed. Oh, really? What's a bed? You tell him what a bed is. Oh, then why is the color red? What is red? Okay, why does red look like this? Why can't it look like this? Okay, oh, no, this is not red. This is blue. Okay, why is this blue? They question everything. Can you just, can you just chill? They don't understand what quietness is. Like, everybody just wants to be quiet in the house. Okay, let's sit down and watch a movie. They, will, they can do a commentary to what you people are watching throughout and they will not stop. So it is why, you see, um, Christians who are still children, they, they like to hear God in noisy places. It's why it's difficult for them to believe that God can speak to you in a still, small voice. They want, they want the raging wind. They want the thunder. They want the lightning. You know, something must happen. Fire must come out. My curtain must blow. To know that it is God that is speaking. If cutting did not blow, that's why you hear you hear things like my mind said that a, an adult Christian, a mature Christian, will know that this is God speaking to me or it is not God speaking to me. So when we say my mind, you are still you are towing the line little by little. Yeah, because you are supposed to know that God is actually speaking to you. So children seek for God in noisy places. It is why. If some people can go to church where they, don't, where, the, where they don't make loud noises, if the minister doesn't say, if you shout and your voice is louder than the person beside you, you will, you will receive your... <clears throat> so the problem with that is they will think that if my voice is not loud, this person will get the miracle before me. But that's not true. That's the problem. So I have to, my hallelujah must be louder. So it becomes a hallelujah competition in the church of God. So by the time the person doesn't receive the miracle, we'll be like, ah, hallelujah, me loud. My hallelujah was not loud. I have to go with Tom Tom this week so that my voice can be smooth and very loud. It's why people chase symbols and all of these things. It's because they are still children. And the, 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 the funny thing is, a lot of church endorse these things. They endorse these things. Praise the name of the Lord. So, adulthood. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 
1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I taught like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So it means that the first level of growth that helps you know that you're well on your way from transitioning from babyhood or childhood to adulthood is self-awareness, self-consciousness. So you need to know that it's time for me to grow. So I need to leave the childhood stage and move to the what? To the adulthood stage. So when you begin to ask yourself questions like, what do I need to do to go from where I am now to where I need to be? Then you know that you are asking the right question that will help you transition from the stage you are to where you actually need to be. So what is the first thing you need to do? First thing is locate yourself. Like locate where you are currently. Like what stage? Do a self-assessment. Do a self-survey of where you are. Um, Pastor Chidera said something last week about having metrics that will help you gauge your growth. Yes, it's funny how we have metrics for things we do at work, the way we spend our money and all of that, what we earn. But for our own personal spiritual growth, we don't have metrics for it. Right? These things are very, very important. What is the level of your word intake? What is the level of... Um, the time you pray. And when we talk about prayer, people think that we just talk about you spending a lot of hours. Prayer is actually spending quality time with God. When you leave the place of prayer, what did you get? What did you hear? It's one thing to just go and pray. When you pray, what did you hear? What are you doing next when you pray? It's actually important. So I'm not just going to go and pray to mark register that today I prayed. Yes, I prayed three hours. It was, it was refreshing. Yes, it is refreshing. But what happened? What we don't realize is prayer does not change God. The prayer is for you. It changes you. So when you pray, what has changed? So the next time I am going to pray, what am I praying for? What am I praying about? What do I need to change again? That is the essence. So look at yourself. Who has God placed you under? Where did God place you? See, wherever you are, you need to know that that's the place God has placed you. If it is not the place God has placed you, leave. Go to where God is sending you. It is very important. You can't be in a place and you're not growing. The truth is you're not helping yourself and you're not helping that church. Yes, because if the church has too many baby Christians and they are there for too long and the church is expecting them to become adults, see, the, um, the resources... They are supposed to use to feed new babies. They are still using it to feed you. So it means there will be shortage somewhere. So that's the problem where a lot of church just, are, it is just the way it is. Praise the name of the Lord. So, two, how do you go from the stage of childhood to adulthood is total surrender and yieldedness. Total surrender and yieldedness. Now, the the reason why growth, spiritual growth, looks like hard work or looks like a chore is because it is you that has to do the work. If, if, if it's left to God, God has done his part. 
But the problem is your will has to come into play. Because if we don't have will, we'll all be like robots. It's yes, ma, yes, sir. Everybody's going where God is standing. So what's the point? God has angels to do that. <laughs> so what's the point? So your will has to come into play. So God wants every one of us to attain perfection to what he has called us to be. So growth comes from submission and surrender. So the problem is when you try to submit to too many places, you can't grow. It's like eating at every, it's like eating in different places. You, you're supposed to eat good meals in your house, the one that was cooked. Then you go to different places to go and eat. What do you think is going to happen to your system? Constipation happens. So you're supposed to eat from a particular source for you to grow well. You have to eat. For example, if a farmer, a farmer planted a crop, he knows um, the amount of fertilizer or whatever he needs for that plant to grow. If someone new comes and puts excess stuff in that plant, what happens? The plant will die. It will die. So for you to actually grow, it means that you have to set your love, your affection in a particular place, in the place that God has sent you to be. What people don't understand is, see, if you have different churches, if you don't have one local church, and you go to different places, see, your love, your affection, your honor, your loyalty, it becomes disproportionate. It is everywhere. So you, what happens is you try to please people. So you don't want to leave this place because ah, I don't want to offend uh, this, uh, this my pastor. Because uh, if I, it becomes a thing where you can't do what this pastor wants. You can't do what this pastor wants. You can't do so you, you are now there. You are confused. Your growth is stunted. You don't even know what to do. It's a problem. It's a serious problem. So you have to decide. Know where God wants you to be and stay there and grow. So another thing is I think farmers understand growth more than anybody. I might be wrong, but I think they, they understand growth than anyone else. Because why I say that is because I have met, apart from that, it's a yearly thing for them, it's a quarterly thing. They can tell you when this plant is going to come out and bring out its harvest and all of that. I have met a farmer that cross, he crossbred three citrus, citrus plants. He made a tree. The tree was bringing out tangerine, grapes and orange one tree i don't know how he did it It was in my school back then i was wondering like how how it one tree will bring out three different fruits he must have i'm sure probably is one of his projects or his research or something but it took his time to understand what that thing will need to grow that is who your pastor is he knows what will help you grow so stay there honor him and let that growth be evident in your life. So, another thing about why I'm using farmer example is um, Jesus Christ made an example using the wheat see, um, a seed. He said, when a seed is placed in the ground, the first thing the seed will ask to do is what? Is die. What does the death there means? Surrender. Now, biologically, there is actually a zygote inside the seed. Now, if that seed doesn't die, that life will not come out. So the seed needs to die, surrender itself, let the soil peel out all the things that is blocking the zygote in itself so that it can come out and actually grow. So that is important.
So your pastor sees that thing in you. So when you surrender, he allows that thing to what? To grow. So another thing is, learn to practice a clean slate. One of the important things about growth is, at some point, your streak will always stop. A typical example is probably you are, you are doing your classes on Duolingo or you are trying to follow the U version streak and the streak breaks one day. Do you know how bad that feels? Like, I have gotten to like 100 streak or 150. Then I now forgot. Maybe something just happened that day, I forgot. Then you feel very bad. Do you know some people don't continue? Some people be like, what's the point? 150. I beg, I beg, I beg. We'll be fine. Any day I ask you to start again. These things happen. So, people, um, people who have hacked this thing will tell you that don't allow another day go before you start again. It has happened that day. Fine. Oh, yeah. We go again. You have to, because the moment you say, well, it, that's all. We move. Move to where? You are, it becomes stagnant. If you do. Some people's we move is they don't do anything. Yes. People say we move and they are just there. Move to move. You are not a tree. Move. So, learn to practice a clean slate. When you're growing, mistakes will be made. You will make mistakes. But if you're in a place where you can be corrected, it will help you grow. We know these things happen. All of us have been there. A lot of us will still make some of these mistakes. But the idea is be ready to, you know, pick yourself back up and, you know, grow. And one of the things that will help you during this transitioning stage is accountability. A lot of people don't know how accountability is, how treasured that thing is. See, a lot of things will not happen if you're accountable. A lot of mistakes will not even happen if you're accountable. Because by the time you're accountable to someone you know that you cannot disappoint, <laughs> if that thing wants to happen, that the first thing that comes to your mind is, ah, okay, okay. So the fact that you're thinking about it means that oh, you want to do better. So accountability is very, very important. So, so I have friends where at the end of the month, we'll come together and talk about what we've done the whole month, how much we've made. I don't want to go there and go and say, I did not make any money. I, want to, I don't want to go there and be the mediocre. At the end of the day, like, well, you're serious. Be a young group. You know, I, I, we can't be having this kind of person in our group. This person should just, you know. So I have to, I have to be up and do so that when they come, I'm sorry, I bring my analysis out. I will bring everything out. See, this is what we have done so far. This is where we are going. Why? Because of accountability. And the thing is, for someone like me, who works for myself, it's hard. Nobody's questioning me. Nobody's asking me the amount I'm making. Nobody, nobody really cares, to be honest. The only thing they care about is, I give us money. And money will come out. So since they are seeing that money is coming out, whatever you do, do it. But me, I know. For my own growth, I have to do this. Thing. The same thing spiritually. All right? So the next thing is pursue progress, not perfection. It means that you have to pursue consistency. A lot of us want to do something perfectly at once. Is why even the course we try to learn online, they break it down, Abby. They will say, one video could be five minutes, one could be 15, one could be 20. Why don't you just do that? One, just do like two or three of that. Then reflect on what you read, then go to the But no, you will see people. They will do one, probably uh, video one to video 10 today. They will now wait three weeks. They will go and do another one. You, you will not, to be honest, you will not finish that course. You won't finish that course. 
So do it progressively. Do it one per day at least. At the end of the day, you would be able to what? To do that. So it's, it's why I look at people when they say, oh, it's not like Peter said, it's not a bad thing. You want to finish the Bible in a year. It's good. It's fine. Kudos. Grace to you. But to what end? Do you want to finish the Bible so that you can also brag that, ah, <laughs> my head is there. When, when people are raising their hand, if you have finished the Bible before, raise up your hand. I raise up my hand two times because I finished things. Now, if it's by, to be honest, if it's by that one, we finish the Bible as kids. If there's one thing I'm grateful to my parents for, is that was the first thing they taught us. You will, you will read the Bible by force. We are. This is not ordinary reading. When we read this, my daddy comes back and sets questions. Yes. He will set questions. You, you stay, you sit down here. You, go to that end. So when they are spacing us doing exam, I just used to laugh. Uh, we've done it at home so I can't go into the exam with empty head it's not possible if you like, go and put me where there's nobody, I will write the exam, I'll be fine so it's, it's important we need to grow in this thing there's no need to seek for perfection and one funny thing is, let's look at Hebrews 10 verse 14 Hebrews 10 verse 14 says something that is very important I think it's going to help us understand understand that we should look towards consistency rather than trying to be perfect because verse 14 now look at this it says that for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who have been made holy he's talking about you so perfection is not a destination for you it is what God has called you to be God has called you perfect he said he has done the sacrifice once and for all to make you perfect. So when Jesus died, was buried and resurrected and you received him, you became perfect. So you are supposed to walk from the work of Christ, the perfect work of Christ. That is where you should come from. So when you come from that place, you know I don't need to make myself, I just need to journey progressively and consistently with God. So anything is Another thing is, that is important is we underestimate what we can do in we underestimate what we can do in the long term and overestimate what we can do in the short term. We always want to get things done quickly instead of us to stretch it to make it happen. See, this thing is important. It's just like, um, I'm sorry, I'm not shading anybody in any church. You hear people just make prayers on Twitter and say that in the next, before the end of this year, you become richer than Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm confused. Because even Elon Musk, we know how long it took him to get to that place. And the truth is, look at the people that God blessed in the Bible. Did God just bless them overnight? Like, Abraham just woke up one day and he became the wealthiest man on earth. It wasn't like that. We saw how he journeyed from where he was, how he gathered the wealth from places and became what. It is not just random. And these things were years. Between when he 
left um, his father's house to 25 years before he gave birth to Isaac. Number of years. And he was, so somebody made his wealth in 20, 20, 20, 25 years, 30 years, but you want to make it in a year. Our God is not a magician. So it, it's why you see a lot of people, when they see this over, overnight prayer meeting for overnight success, people will go. Because what the pastor will be saying, don't worry, before the end of this year, something, the blessing will locate you and you become a millionaire. Really? See, like we do say, those kind of blessings are like one in a, in a billion. And how sure are you that you are the one in a billion person? How now? If you do math, you understand what I'm talking about. Do the probability and let's see the result. The zero point, the, the zero after the zero point is very long. Hallelujah. So, another thing is, learn to break the challenges into bits and pieces. This is very important. Shrink the challenge. Don't, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to do it in stages. Bit by bit. Piece by piece. It, a, a typical example is habits. So people have a bad habit of making huge and unrealistic growth. A lot of people do it. So growth comes with you being patient with yourself. That's one important thing. You have to be very, very patient with yourself. It won't happen all at once. You need to grow into it. All right? Even the carrier season, there are rules of engagement to it. Right? Yes, 10 months, uh, ten, you shrink the whole of 10 years into 10 months. There are rules of engagement into it. You won't just sit down in your house and the 10 years they are supposed to use will shrink into 10 months. It means that you are doing something consistently and God is seeing it happen. Then he accelerates you. That's how it happens. So he sees that, yes, you are putting in the work and he sees your heart. So when he sees the heart, he sees the motive. You know, this person will go far. So let me help him get to where he's supposed to get to. Praise the name of the Lord. So God doesn't endorse um, laziness or lack of diligence or when you are not hard working. No, God, God will not endorse that. So you can't just become a, you can't just change overnight and they look at him like, and you're not doing anything about it. No, God doesn't endorse those kind of things. So another thing is, analyze your growth. It's very important. Look at how you have grown spiritually. Last year, what are the things you were doing? So what are the things you could do better this year? Last month, last week, what did I do? What were the things I, I can change? Now, if everybody, if we do this, it will help the body of Christ grow. It's funny how we do these things in our place of work, in our personal life, and we look at how things can get better for our work, how we can make more money, how, you know, we can upskill and do all of that. But spiritually, we don't do it. So how do we want the body to grow? So if we really want the body of Christ to grow, if we want to grow spiritually, we need to analyze our growth. We need to look for how we can actually get there. We can't keep doing stuff with vibes. It's, it, it doesn't work. If we keep doing the vibes thing, things will just become very mediocre. We'll just be mix, mixing mediocrity and carnality everywhere. So we need to actually grow. Right? How you do that is you look at what is working for you. Look at what has been working. Um, 
it's good to emulate people. It's good to emulate good things. But don't run at people's clock. Don't look at other people's um, progress and use it to measure your own. No, you're, you're both different. You can, you can like what they do. You can convert whatever they are doing. But you need to know that it is at my own pace. Yes, he became a millionaire this year. Fine. Oh, well, how did you do it? I will learn it. I will look for how I can actually learn But I won't rush myself to also become a millionaire this year. No. You have to pace yourself so you can get better. So another thing is tweak your habits. Tweak your habits. It's, that is, <laughs> that's very, very important. So before I establish um, things about habits, I would like to say something. Um, some people might disagree, but the fact is, is the truth. Now, when it comes to the issue of habits, a lot of people say stuff like, um, probably God is being unfair or God is punishing us for making bad habits easier to make than good habits. But the truth is, while bad habits doesn't mean that you lack self-control or you are not educated, it's actually far from it. When people that, bad habit, bad habit happens, it's easier to make bad habits because there is a form of consistency that comes with you making bad habits. And that's because bad habit mostly comes from stress and boredom. So it means that anytime you are stressed and you are bored, you do the habit. So there is a serious reinforcement that is backing up the bad habit. But another thing is, bad habits, when they happen, it gives immediate rewards. Yeah, it gives immediate, pleasant results. But good habit, on the other hand, it, it takes time. A typical example is when people gamble. Ah, before the probably is football, before the end of the match, they will see the results. And there is, there, but why is it that people prefer to gamble or spend money lavishly? They, ah, you see people scat online. They just go shopping and begin to buy anything they see. They say it's emotional therapy. Grace to you. They buy everything. They, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So they buy everything they see and they say, no, it's, it's good for them. And they, but if you tell them to save or to invest, it's difficult. But the truth is, saving an investment, the reward comes when? Later in life. It will save you later in life. But because people can't wait for the reward later, they want the reward now. It is why bad habit thrives. Than good habit. People prefer to eat junk than cook LD meal. Ah, because I, I act about, by the time you take a bucket of ice cream, you're enjoying it. But what it will do to your body later, Sha? So, but people prefer to take all those junks than you know, cook LD, LD meals that will actually do your body a, a lot of good. And the funny thing is, the way we are wired is that there's a part of the brain that has uh, that is called uh, endocannabinoids is um, therefore habitual to reinforce habitual activity they help you for continuous habits actually we need it because when you wake up it is that part of your brain that will tell you okay you have to brush your teeth okay now you have to take your bath you have to go to work it helps with your routine so the thing is when there is a bad habit that part of your brain helps you reinforce it so when the part of your brain realizes that you are stressed you are bored what happens this habit makes him feel pleasure. Oh yeah, let's go there. So that's what happens. That's why it looks like bad habit is always constant. But there's another part of the brain. I think the orbital cortex. So that's the one that helps you 
to make constructive, goal-oriented, and good decisions. So what happens is, when you strengthen that part of your brain by making good decisions consistently, what it does is, it will numb that part until it makes it forms that good habit and it makes it strong. Then that part picks it and turns it into an habit. So you can see that every part of our body actually works for this thing, but we have to deliberately make it work for our good. So if you want it to work for bad, well, you can do that. If you want it to be good, it can happen too. So the next thing is go deeper. You've, you have analyzed your growth, you've tweaked the habits. The next thing is go deeper. Feed your, as much as you're feeding your body, you're feeding your soul, feed your spirit. It is actually important. Listen to sermons, read books, give yourself to study and mastery of the word until you become a matured Christian. All right? Don't forget, <laughs> the five-fold offices in the body of Christ, they are there to actually guide you. Don't play with their ministry. It's actually very, very important. Stick to the instructions they give you. If you're still growing, learn to stick to instructions. It's very important. If you're in doubt about anything, ask questions. It's the reason why churches have, they have groups, they have cells, they have... Why? So that even if you can't get to the pastor directly, there's someone you can actually talk to, you can ask questions, so you don't make mistakes. There are times where I want to do something. In my mind, it's right. Like, ah, uh, it's no big deal. It's something. Something just tell me. Boyako, bury, love, pity. Control, jump the gun. So I, okay, I enter pity's DM. I'm like, ah, pity you. This is what I want to do. Pity's like, ah, no, no, ah. Pity now say, if you do it, if you do this, if you do this, this is what will happen. I say, ah, I left that part out. I thought I was thinking about the good part in the intention of my heart. So there are things where you think, actually good ideas run it by someone who is ahead of you in the ministry and you realize that ah because you would always have a blind spot you will always have a blind spot so it is important to run it by someone who is higher than you in the stages of growth in christianity so that you will not make mistakes all right so how do you become a mature christian one thing is how do you know rather that you've become a mature christian like as you grow how do you know that you are getting there? You're getting there. The first thing is, you esteem the things of the world lightly. Like, things of the world don't really mean anything to you anymore. Like, you, you, don't, you don't care about chasing money and all of that. Because you realize that. You now even understand what Matthew 6 verse 33 says better. When it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And every other thing will be added. So you know that... Uh, I can't really be doing what God wants me to do and I will lack anything. No. No. It, it's, it's not possible. You can't be doing what God will have you do and you will have lack. No, you will not. Because God will always point you in the direction of where your needs will always be met at all times. So when you get to that level where uh, you know that, uh, is it not God? God will do it. God will do it. Let's, let's keep doing what we are doing. Let's keep doing what we are doing. There are times where Okay, there was a project I wanted to start last year. And I, wa I was thinking about, oh, how I was going to do it. I was, I was gathering all the resources I, I could gather. I was taking every job. I was, you know, uh, all the courses I could find to make money. I was upskilling, getting all the skills and trying to make money. The funny thing is, 
I made all the money. And for some reason, you know that part of the scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, wealth is like a, it's like a bed that has wings. The, thing, <laughs> the way you fly, come out. I don't know. So the funny thing is, I now prayed about it this year, and I said, God, I want to really embark on, the journey, on this project this year again. And I, I don't even have quarter of what we had last year. So how do we go about it? Then he told me, do this. Then I did this, the money came. We did quarter of the project. I said, eh, God, eh, we don't reach quarter, half Where do we go again? It's okay, do this. I did this. It came again. We got to half. So it was so funny that for every stage of the project, as I kept bringing it to him, he kept providing. If I got to a point where the thing reached here for me, I called Peter and I said, Peter, you. Man, no lie. I don't tire. And you know, he, talk, he said, Maybe God helped you start it. You will finish it. You don't worry. The way you have been doing that, you've been praying and telling him about it. Continue. Like that. And the more I did it, the more there was always provision every single time that we needed to go on with the project. So that is how God is. All right? So, two is. There is deadness to approval of men, censure of praise. You don't really care about what people say. Right? You don't, you don't care for, ah, go on, ride on, all of that. No. We should live more for God's approval. You should care more about what God is saying about you. Alright? This doesn't mean that you should live in isolation and don't care about people. No. That's not what it means. It means that you should care more for what God is saying about you than what people say. Because even the Bible itself says in, I think Romans 12 verse 18, where it says we should live peaceably with all men, like as best as you can, live peaceably with all men. So there's no point where you should isolate yourself because, oh, I met someone this morning, the person was telling me that, ah, I, I, don't, I, really, I really hate people, I don't, I don't like people, like that's why I stay indoor and do my work. I said, so, me that I'm standing before you, you hate me in the year. Let me cuckoo know the people that love me now. He said, no, it's not like that. But the thing is, I understand. People can be stressful. But you see that stress and that drama. We need a sprinkle of it every time in our lives. It's very important. Very important. A little drama here and there. It saves lives. Glory to God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the third one and the final one is God consciousness. That's it's, your, it's the ability to recognize God at work in your life. It's just like the same way Joseph did. There are some things that will happen in your life that you look at it like, ha. Ah. But sometimes you, you, when, you, when you are working with God, you will know that God is at work. When Joseph was thrown in prison, everything was happening, every bad thing was happening, you look at Joseph's dream and you look at what was going in his hand, you are confused like, I, what is happening to this man? And God said this one will become, uh, will rule over, ah, <laughs> destiny lay, the enemy have perverted it. That is what you will say. But eventually, look at what happened. Look, like, look at how God turned it around. And even when his brothers came and they were begging him that we are saying, they said, ah, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. So I remember as a kid, I, was, I, was, um, I had a lot of troubles as a kid. And I really stressed my parents. If I thank God for the kind of parents I was getting. Because if not, but I thank God for the kind of parents I had. Because I remember... When I was really grown, I think I came back from the university and I was telling my mom, like, hey, I'm so I was apologizing, like I really stressed you guys who and all of that. And she, she told me straight that it was not me that was doing it. That I, I should never even worry about it. that. She she knew she she knew what was happening. She knew what was happening. Why? She was conscious about what was happening. 
about me at that time. So when you're God conscious as a believer, even when things, heads are rolling all over you, you know, you are peaceful, you are centered. Let me, I know where God is taking me to. All these ones, uh, it, will, it will pass. All right? So one thing we must know, importantly, is Christianity is an endless cycle of growth and discipleship. We'll continue to grow and we'll continue to receive discipleship from the people that have gone ahead of us. So growth in intimacy with God, the unity of faith, knowledge of Christ, and growing into the fullness of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. So I pray that we will continue in this growth in the name of Jesus. So let's just bow our head and, you know, just, just say for the prayer that I continue to grow. I put myself in a place where I allow myself total yieldedness, total surrender to God's word in the name of Jesus. Can we give God praise? Good word, Benny. Good word. Hallelujah. So he said something I'd like to just touch on again. That, you know, how baby Christians, like, you know, babies like to do to themselves, don't want to feed themselves. So if a baby tells you, I don't want to feed myself, don't feed me, and it then makes a mess that you have to clear up. All right? So also with baby believers. Baby believers tend to jump the gun. So someone gets saved today. And one more time, he tells you he has a girlfriend. You want to marry. Do, do we allow children to marry or to drive? No, are you such a cute dad that to give your 10-year-old, you know, the key to your car? You know, you're such a loving father. <laughs> that you give your 10-year-old child the key to your car because you, you're loving that. Things require process. There are steps and choices only adults should make. Do you understand? So, you know, I expect that when you just really got saved, or just came back into, you know, you've won, you came back, and you give yourself time. It's also why we have accountability structures. That, you know, people jump too much. People jump, and I then tell me, Pastor, I have jumped though. Now it depends on who you have, I tell you, this jump you jump now, can you reverse it? I just tell you, we go in shower, but all the best. <laughs> yes, but it's wisdom. It's wisdom. You know, choosing who you, who you live your life with in the future is a big choice. It's a mature adult choice. You don't even, we're not even sure you're hearing God. You see, say something told me. But you want to choose who you marry, or something told me. That, that thing did not tell you, you know, the school you went, the, the job you took. That thing not tell you any of those things. The thing is telling you this is your wife. No, there's a problem. All right, so generally, okay, allow yourself to grow. Allow yourself to grow. There is no reward for first to marry in heaven. Then get to God's judgment seat. You might first. You know, there's no reward for that, okay? So let's take your time. Pace yourself. Because there's a way, particular choice, you know, is the most, one of the most costly ones to make. There are no boxes. Now, entire time, one month. Ah, Jesus, no, no. I'm not doing that. It doesn't work. You are entering into a covenant. So, relax. Allow yourself to grow. All right? Allow yourself to grow. Again, I beg you, don't start first and not tell me I've started. Do you get? 
When you are going, let, let, let people help you test your convictions. Okay, why him? Why ah? From what you say, we'll know if you are mad. No, so say, from what you are saying, we'll know that I, I come now. Something is off with your thinking. All right? No, children act mad. It, it happens. Amen. All right? Also, the role of mentorship. Um, every wise man has mentors. Everybody. I have people I talk to when I have big stuff to undo. Even if I know what to do, I will still ask to be sure that, you know, I'm not missing something. All right? It makes sense to ask questions. Ask questions. You know, again, children like to think they know everything. Okay? So they keep jumping. But adults know that, as I said, we can have blind spots. And the more you like something, the stronger your blind spots can be. When it comes to man and woman matter, you have strong blind spots. Amen. Ask questions. All right? Ask questions. Treasure mentorship. Enter someone's DM. All right? Wise men, you know, climb on others' shoulders. Only a fool learns by his own experiences alone. Only a fool learns by his own experiences alone. Let me say it again. Only a fool learns by his own experiences alone. Wise men learn from others. So when you goofed, I will not goof there. That's a wise man. What no children do? Taught the fire himself, for he knows fire is hot. Whoosh! Oh, it's actually hot. And he was told it's hot, though, but no, when not, oh, really, it is true. That's been a child, okay? So treasure mentorship. Ask. Ask questions. All right? Amen. Children eat everything. You know, remember when you we were young, the, the mother would tell you, you know, don't eat anywhere apart from the house. So even your neighbor's house that your, your mother trusts, they did not burn you well to eat there. It's not because you don't trust your neighbors, but because it takes one meal to cause you arm. Do you understand? So it takes just one meal to cause you arm. So for that, for that reason, it tells you, don't eat anywhere else but at home. So also, you know, when we say things like, be careful what you listen to, it's not because we're trying to lord over you, but because there are, there is too many destructive stuff out there. And if you are not trained to sieve, one day you will eat the one that will arm you. So some years back, I ate a salmon that took me years to undo. It took me a while to undo. Yes, it takes a while to undo some things. It takes a while. Some people are, some people are so convincing, so very convincing, that what you thought you know, they will tell you you don't know it. And if you are not careful, you will believe them. It now takes a long time to undo what has been done. It took me years to undo it. All right, so adults, again, adults don't eat everything. Only kids eat everything. Adults don't eat everywhere. Only kids can eat everywhere. So a sign of growth is that you have strong filters. There are people I listen to. There are people I don't listen to. People send me sermons. My mother sent me sermons. And I tell my mother, he's not my teacher. This person who sent me, God bless him, he's not my teacher. Adults sieve. You know, being a child comes with curiosity. Anything that looks spiritual, you want it. The deeper it sounds, the, the, the more your hunger is for it. It's a, sound, a sign of spiritual childhood. Adults sieve. All right? So, and this I'm, I'm very concerned because Twitter 
YouTube is, full, is filled with content. Once you feel like you are seeing sharp, enticing content, how I did so and so and began seeing vision. Oh, vision! People actually deliberately put those taglines now. Everybody now, when you go to, to, to YouTube now, deliberate, catchy headlines. What is it trying to do? They are trying to bait you in. But the adult, adults, adults, sieve. Children eat what is sweet. Adults eat what is healthy. Children choose by what is sweetest. Adults choose by what is needed. Ah, I'm 30 plus now. If I eat at 11, my smile could give me stress all night. That's adulthood. Well, a child, at 12, if he wakes up at 12, he can still tell you, I want to eat. All right? But adults are deliberate. Adults eat based on what is needed. All right? So, as we grow, the debate about this is okay. Don't, don't get yourself into a junk heap. Some of these things take a long time to undo. There are not these fancy books. The seventh book of Solomon, this kind of nonsense stuff. You know, you know, I read it before. I just give a, I give a weird example. That's not a real book. Okay, but stuff like that. You know, the missing book of the Corinthians. Those kind of, those kind of things. The book that Paul wrote that the church threw away. Curiosity. You want, to know what, you want to know what is not in the Bible that you should know. No, it's madness. You have, you have six, six books. You're looking for the one that they said is meant to be there. That is not there. Six, six, you're not finished 66. You're looking for 67. That's the one that has the real truth. But you know many are fed on, on these things and they are seriously confused. They even, see, people actually go mad on these things. People have gone so, so far for deep, they've gone mad in a search for deep. I, have, I know someone like that that she literally went mad in that search for deep. When she talks, you know that something is loose. So let's be calming down. Let the mystery of Christ in the Bible be enough for you. Treasure the word in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's not that it is deep and conk. It's not a shade, right? But this test for mystery, for mystery, it's not for the, not, not for the believer. Okay, it's not for the, this search for mystery, mystery, you know, it's, it's, it's gnostics. You know, uh, when you read First John, so talking about this, First John talked about it, how people in their, in their eagerness for, for something else, going to philosophy and other, all those kind of deep stuff, and in so they miss Christ. It's not new, that's always been. This search for depth, Depth that is not, do you get? Avoid. Let the gospel in simplicity be enough for you. Christ listen by spirit. Believe in his word and take action. It's the simple things that matter. You know, uh, I was sorry, I'll be out of here in two minutes. <laughs> you know that professionals, the best guys, are not, they, are, they, they, they become professionals by mastering the basics. The best footballers are the best at the basics. First touch. A good pass. Not those attack guys that spoil the entire game. The good footballers are good with the basis. First touch, a good pass of the ball movement, finishing. If you can master those basics, you are a good striker. <laughs> what makes us strong Christians is mastering the basics. Stop looking for what is not missing. Don't go on YouTube every day. Who will I, who will I watch today? There's a problem. Who will I watch today on YouTube? <laughs> Let's be here. <laughs> People are doing these things, all right? People are doing these things, okay? When you have such a, such, such, a, such a desire in you, it's a sign that something is wrong that needs to be fixed. All right? Let your own church that God has put you, that the message is clean, is clear, and you are great. Let it be enough for you. 
Someone says, I have four pastors. No, your head is not correct. No, that person, you know, people say, but you know, the person that is not correct. People think by, by saying they have five pastors that they are deep. It doesn't make you deep. It makes you confused. Because your shepherd has a voice. That guy has another voice. So you are listening to many voices, and you are even wondering which one is correct. So I come and say, hey, my simplicity. That one says in a very deep way that you are not even wondering, you know, but it sounds deep. Do you get? Every sheep flock has only one shepherd, not two, not five. There is no pride in saying, I hear the men of God. People will, people will list it. Ah, you see my word diary, my word, my word um, folder. I have this, I have this, I have this. You have confusion. So be coming down. All right? We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Cheers to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9 a.m. and Wednesday by 6 p.m. to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.